Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Kyle Fincham. You're listening to Behind the Movement, and my guest today is Fayon Fipat, who's based out in Australia and is the host of the Passive Hang podcast. Before I get to it, I just have one announcement. Um, if you're free, January 3rd through the 7th, I highly recommend finding your way out to Boulder, Colorado for an epic five-day event with some incredible teachers. The event is called Kinetic Playground. Um, It's hosted by Block 1750. I'll be teaching as a part of it. Um, As I've said, just kind of adding my, my small spice to the movement soup that is a, a pretty incredible soup. Um, it's quite the lineup of teachers. Many people who I've had here on the podcast, like Marlo Fiskin, uh, Kim Amonqua, and Winston Reynolds are flying in from Europe to, to teach as part of it. Um, Wendy Canal is teaching, Alicia Grayson, um, and then many, many others as well. So I can't recommend it more highly. I'm excited to teach. I'm also really thrilled to take everybody's classes throughout the week as well. Um, If you're looking to sign up, they're offering also like a sliding scale for pricing options to to make it more accessible. So if you want to sign up, you you can go to block1750.com. You can also just go to my website, kylefincham.com, and there's a direct link to the sign-up page there. Um, So yeah. I think it's going to be a really, a really special event, and uh, you know, a big thanks to the block and Leah Woods, who's been on the podcast, was on it just recently, who is really uh, leading the charge, organizing the whole thing. Um, so thank you for having me. Thank you for putting it together. Thank you for making it accessible to people. I think it's going to be uh, an incredible, incredible event. So, yeah. I'm repeating myself, but if you're available, if you have the resources, you should be there. It's going to be awesome. Um, That's it. That's my announcement. I think I'll have some more things to share coming up soon, but for now, we will leave it at that. As I said, my guest today is Fayon Fipat. Um, It was such an honor to, to, to get to connect with him. Um, I really enjoyed our conversation. Um, I'm looking forward to chatting with him again soon. Um, if you're not familiar with, uh, with Fayon, let me give you a little bit of his background. He is the host of the Passive Hang podcast, a platform for featuring practitioners and teachers in the modern day movement community. His wish is to contribute to the growth of this community, bring people together, and help others in their journey. Um, I couldn't have enjoyed this conversation more from, uh, from one movement podcaster to another. Um, and I think you're going to enjoy it as well. And, uh, if you're listening to this, make sure you go over and, and check and check out Fan's podcast as well. Uh, it's available on, on, on all the places, iTunes, Spotify, you know, the platforms that are out there. So let's not waste any time. This is it, my conversation with Fayon Fipat. I think I'm done with alarms. I definitely had some alarm-free living for 
like not even a couple of weeks, like a, a few, a few months. That was really, really nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's shocking, right? You're like, Oh, my brain can feel this way. Yeah. It's like a totally different type of, um, mind state, right? Like as soon as you start your day, it's, it's completely different versus like you're waking up in a sort of semi, semi, semi state of stress. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, it's always like a panicked arousal. Yeah. Just scrambling, scrambling for wherever you put the alarm and going like, it's like, dehuman nature kind of yeah exactly yeah it's like you're always like waking up in a flight or flight and then you compound that over like multiple decades mm-hmm. yeah. like i talked to somebody who's uh in his probably late 40s and he was somebody who was waking up at like 4 or four thirty and going and teaching at like 5 30 or 6 every day and he was just like i didn't realize that i was like killing myself you know you, 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 you normalize it and then all of a sudden like everything changes and you're like oh like this is what it means to actually like sleep and exist the way that we've like kind of biologically evolved to i know it's um it's an interesting one i mean that example is uh good as well because it's the measure of almost that optimal health living versus maybe responsibility. Right. And there's pros and cons to that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So. But it's a, but it's a modern phenomenon. It is. It is. I mean, I like, I liked it when after a while you start rising naturally, you know, you feel different, but then sometimes you might feel like, I think at the start, you start sleeping like very deep and longer than you normally do, but then it sort of comes back and starts normal, like normalizing. And then you sleep maybe like that requisite eight or eight and a half hours. And you're like, Oh, okay. Like now I've really like caught up here and I've really recovered and my body knows. And if you leave the window open as well, then the birds will wake you or the sunlight will wake you. So you do have this natural type of alarm but it feels a little bit different. I recognize that after listening to the Huberman podcasts um, and he talks all about uh, how to um, arouse the senses in a natural way, especially in the morning. And so when you wake up, like go outside and actually look at like natural light, the sky for five to 10 minutes. And so I sort of started incorporating that and you, re- yeah, you feel this big energy lift or this, uh, it's not like a coffee or anything, but it's like this natural energy lift where you're like, oh yeah, okay. I'm, I'm awake now. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I did today as well. I was woken up by alarm, but it makes me feel a lot better versus just stumbling around just inside the home and trying to wake myself up by other means. Right. 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 The, the other means so that we can like exist in like the modern world in the way that it is. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, you know, I've tried a bunch of things like I'm sure is you have, you know, sometimes you get hard on the stimulants and you just see like, okay, is caffeine going to do it? Is uh, skipping rope going to do it or doing, you know, 10 minutes of spinal waves going to do it. Mm-hmm. But actually I found, yeah, if you just go outside, you hear some birds, you look at the sky mm-hmm. 
it feels much nicer. So that's what I've been doing. I combine that with some breathing as well. And yeah, you're good to go. Interesting. It's like, it's always like the simplest things. I don't know. I feel like this is like, you know, one of my like favorite things to kind of think about is like the idea that we're like, our nervous systems are like malnourished or something. Right. And like, we have like these senses so that we can communicate with the world. Mm. We don't like feed them in that way. (laughs) Well, is it malnourished or like overnourished in some ways and malnourished in other ways? Yeah, it's almost like they're overnourished in like, as if, you know what, they're almost like they're overnourished in the sense where we like take like a lot of vitamins, like vitamin C, and we just like douse ourselves with it, but mm-hmm. not actually get it from like the natural sources, like an orange or something. Mm-hmm. And it's not like in like the, in, in the context of like the complex spectrum of like how we would be like, kind of like moving and feeling things. Yeah. It's like. I need some of that. So I'm going <laughs> to, mm-hmm. I'm going to get the specialized form of that and mm-hmm. dose myself up. And so mm-hmm. you got this like spike where everything else isn't, isn't really in relation to that, but you know, it's pretty good. I've got like my 5,000 milligrams or whatever of vitamin X. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To me, I always think of it like kind of, have you ever read Katie Bauman move your DNA? No, I haven't. She talks about, you know, how we've outsourced our movement and, mm-hmm. you know, often like exercise or things that fall into like the movement spirit sphere is still like a small circle in terms of like inside the bigger circle of like what we would have been doing movement wise mm. at other points in history, but we've outsourced everything. Like when you think about making our coffee or something, like we would have had to like farm beans and grow the beans and then roast them and we would have to build a fire and grind them and like all the things that we would have been doing physically to do that. But I think about that with our nervous system where it's like, you know, we've like outsourced sensory experiences, right? Like even Mm. right now, like, you know, you and I have the privilege of sitting in these like structures, but in some ways they're like, they're kind of just extensions of our skin, right? Like a house. So we're actually Mm -hmm. not getting that kind of like nourishment because we've outsourced it. Just one example. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, haven't thought about it in that sort of way. But I mean, this is how the world we have has been constructed around us, right? Like we yeah. are veering towards uh, comfortability rather than any sort of ongoing daily challenge. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's a blessing and a curse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think everyone, everyone is always aware of it, right? You're always innately like... Uh, I don't think many people sit down on a computer other than maybe gamers for mm-hmm. or coders for like 20 hours or like for a, let's say a normal working day, like, and you just got a busy working day and you're like nine hours straight, just sitting down there. I don't think anyone can say that they get up off from the computer afterwards <laughs> and go like, I feel amazing. Like that was <laughs> fantastic. I don't <laughs> think anyone says that. <laughs> right. 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 Their eyes are like bulging out of their head and they're like, wow, I can't believe I have to do that tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, it's funny like that. Like we have these innate senses within us, which give us these um, signals, right? But we're so good at ignoring them as well. Mm -hmm. What, um, so do you, do you practice with like a movement facility out in Australia or do you practice on your own? Do you have a group that you work with? 
Yeah, so I used to be um, going to this gym called Workshop. So mm -hmm. I was away for a few years um, from Melbourne, and that's where I really discovered this whole movement thing. And, you know, I was like, wow, what is this? There was all these people that seemed to be doing this, like, amazing new new phenomenon kind of and um when i came back to melbourne uh i got connected with um with somebody over the internet who i ended up meeting in person um and they used to own a gym called workshop gym and so there there was a couple of trainers there who were affiliated with um you know this this movement sphere and i used to train out of there for what was it a year year and a half and that was that was awesome because um connecting in through that community just meeting people seeing people like learning how to that's where I kind of learned how to train as well beforehand I was always um just really trying to figure things and piece things out by myself and you know when you sort of see something from the internet you're like oh, okay that's cool that seems to be something I'll, I'll kind of try that and then you try that you try that and then someone explains it to you in person and it's a totally different experience, right? And you're like, ah, oh, okay. Like that's how you do it. That's how you do it. Ah, oh, like I didn't know a pull-up could have been done in that way. I was just like pulling myself up, but this is cool. Like now I'm experiencing it or re-experiencing it in a whole different way. So yeah, that became a very powerful thing for me. And then like right now, well, I mean, everyone's been training by themselves for the last two years because <laughs> We, we, we're supposed to not really leave our homes, but now it's been open again. Um, so yeah, I meet up with a few people and train with them, um, sometimes, but, uh, I do a majority of my training by my, myself. Um, I learn off a guy called Thomas Emerson at the moment who runs Praxis in Canberra, who I've had on my podcast a couple of times. That's how we initially sort of connected, but then um, but in one of the breaks of lockdown last year, I was able to go up to Canberra and visit his facility and meet all of them there I'm really bonded with them. And then, yeah, I decided to go on to his online programming, which has been great. And then, yeah, I've been running some classes where I can, uh, they're going to start up again as well. And so I, I guess, guide and train with them. Uh, when I can and uh, will be as well. And I also practice capoeira. So I have a capoeira group and uh, I started at the start of this year and that's been going really well. Um, I guess we've been training for the majority online, uh, but we just came back in person two weeks ago, which has been awesome as well. So that's sort of how I'm approaching my practice at the moment. And then, and then what was the catalyst for you beginning your podcast? Deep in the middle of the first lockdown, I was sitting at home. I had all this time <laughs> and I'd already started talking and interacting with people online because Instagram has this wonderful function called DMs. And I started to realize, oh, all these people that I'm following, like you can just shoot them a message and just start a conversation and a lot of them re reply and I was like that that's pretty cool you know <laughs> so you don't have to be like this kind of 
almost anonymous stalkerish sort of person where you're just like following somebody but I was like oh, okay like I can actually go talk with them and maybe I'm interested in what they're posting and I just ask a little bit more about like what does that mean or why did they do that try and find out a little bit more and I I realized that uh, I was um, interested in potentially like going deeper and finding out more about that story or like more about that practice because you know in Instagram it's like such a quick snapshot of where somebody is at one point in time and a lot of the time that can be very crafted and curated you know for certain purposes as well and I wanted to find out a little bit more going like okay like you know how do they actually practice or how, how, how do they actually live their life? Like I'm interested in these things and I'm kind of looking up to all these people as well. Is, is it actually like what I'm seeing here or is it, you know, the stereotypical, oh, it's just on the gram and it's very like showy and that, and that's it. So when I started talking to some of these people, I was like, oh, okay, like they're just like, normal human beings and a lot of them have an interesting story as well I'd love to find a way to feature their story but also connect with them and connect with people when I couldn't connect with people in person because of lockdown so that's how I started the podcast I just initially did it with some friends that I'd already connected and met with in person um so to give you a uh, bit of context like a year before the podcast as well I'd came back to Australia and I started to go I started training at that movement gym workshop but then I went to some workshops uh, like uh, in Sydney as well and started meeting some people and I realized that one of the joys of being connected in this uh, movement thing was that I could meet all these great people that were kind of aligned on a similar journey. So I was like, oh, this is like, this is amazing. You know, before I was always kind of like training by myself, trying to figure things out by myself. But then now there's like Daniel and he seems to be doing similar things, but then different things. Ah, oh, that's really cool. Like now we're starting to become friends and we're hanging out and we're not just doing the movement thing. And it's like, oh, that's, that's really wonderful. And so when I, met these people I was like oh, okay like maybe yeah maybe I can start a podcast because I had seen my friends do it as well and I was like oh maybe there's some, something there uh, but you know you're always a bit nervous starting and putting yourself out there for <laughs> you know for the for the first sort of time but I just um, connected with some of those guys that I had already physically connected with um, for the first few ones and and featured it and I was like oh this I'm having a really good time here. Why don't I just keep on continuing it? And then I just started reaching out to people who I hadn't met in person and then featuring them. And then I realized that, uh, yeah, when people started messaging me saying that they seemed to get a lot out of it as well, that this was like pretty important, especially within that time where I think like a lot of people were feeling um, physically distant from everyone and wanted to, yeah, wanted to have this sense of like, hey, we're all still connected. So that's how it kind of started. Okay. And what are like the, I don't know, like when I think about mine a little bit, I think about like 
key things that I've like learned sometimes because mm-hmm. I end up like repeating things and I end up like, uh, I don't know, evolving like how I teach or how I train because of like the, the conversation. So I'm curious if there are like any like lessons that you feel like you've learned that like are really kind of like seismic things and how you like approach maybe anything. Mm. So probably the key thing, which I reflect on a lot, is this uh, this concept of like perspectives and that everyone is different and everyone exists in a different context as well. And so I think when you see sometimes and you get caught up a little bit in the internet as well, or even, you know, during this pandemic, there's a very strong opinions that are floating around all the time. You know, there are different sayings, there are different beliefs always most often the most polarizing ones come to the top of the news right because that's what you know for whatever reason that's the message that resonates the strongest or is the most emotionally charged and so it feels when you just read on let's say pieces of internet paper that everyone exists on a spectrum of hundred percent black or hundred percent white. You know, if we just use that sort of terminology, but I think once you start meeting a group of people that can be very different and come from very different backgrounds that you just realize like, like in humanity, there's just a whole bunch of very different people who have different beliefs and say even within this sphere like this movement sphere where you probably have some alignment of values of context as well because maybe what well, people are interested in a kind of similar thing in the physical practice but even within that right there's a different approaches there are different ways of going about it and there's no one ultimate real right way you know that but i think there is certain wisdom that you can get from certain people by really asking them with an open mind and finding out what they have to say and then going like oh maybe what is there that i can learn from this what is there that okay like i thought that maybe that might have been true for my context maybe that's something i can apply or maybe they say something where it's like oh I never really thought about it that way or that challenged me in a way, made me feel a little bit uncomfortable, but am I just going to say, you know, that's not right or I'm not going to listen to that. I mean, or am I going to use this as an opportunity to go, okay, well, maybe there's something that I'm not seeing. Maybe there's something within me that I'm just being blind to because I'm believing it in a certain way or, you know, seeking the confirmation bias that I'm going to be, I'm going to be right, right, right. Cause it feels good to be right. But instead maybe I should be listening and even trying something that somebody's saying, even though I'm like, oh, I'm feeling a little bit resistant. And then you just, you know, <laughs> feel this whole sphere of different voices and, you know, you have to make your own journey and trust in your own judgment after a certain while as well but i think it's really important that we always keep in mind that yeah everyone has different 
perspectives everyone exists in a different context as as well and so we can't just always label things in ultimate truth or ultimate wrong yeah it's a uh, i forget who i was saying this to recently but it's like it's never this or it's always this and right it's always, yeah. it's, it's an and not an or right it's not black or white it's black and white yeah exactly and um I really like it because this sort of gives me um, a prism sometimes to approach uh, how I view my practice as well, because something that was uh, introduced to me when I've gone and learned off other people sometimes was I like this thing where uh, I think it was, yeah, when I took a a class with uh, Soishi, who I think you've had on the podcast. And um, oh, she's one of my favorites. Yeah. She, brilliant, brilliant teacher. And I remember going to one of her classes and we were just, um, we we're just doing like some form of squat, right. Going up and down. And she, she mentioned, it, um, she was going, okay. And as we do this, you know, we're going to concentrate on this point and this point and this point. And don't worry if you have done a squat in, this other different way from before we're not going to be doing it in the normal sort of fitness perspective but we're just going to be exploring it in a different way today and you know just that simple sentence really struck out to me where I was like oh okay like when you do certain actions as well let's you know let's take the the physical practice because most people are probably going to be <laughs> listening into that um but you're like oh okay like yeah if I say take a normal push-up, I could be applying like a calisthenics perspective because I want to get strong in that realm and do a planche. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be trying to perform it in a certain way with max protraction and, you know, all, all, all the right cues for body tension. Ah, oh, but then, you know, if I apply another perspective to it where I just want to like bring my chest to the ground, it doesn't matter what I do. I just... I can just fall to the ground, right? But, you know, that means that I can just do that and that that's fine, right? Or if it's like maybe I'm at a boot camp and I got to smash out 100 push-ups, then I got to be like more efficient with it, right? I can't be doing it in a sort of planche perspective because I'm going to be cooked after, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I can lean forward and probably last like three seconds. That's, that's, that's it. I'm not going to make it to 100. So... Yeah. You know, with this use of asking myself, oh, what sort of perspective do I want to be performing this or taking my training or doing this practice, then that can really change the experience of what I'm, what I'm doing. Yeah. Makes me think I was, so we were, we were just in Europe for like two and a half months and I got to do a workshop with Martin Kilvati in, mm -hmm. in Brussels at a, the Tic Tac Art Center and as you were talking about like the push-up, he had us doing like, you know, he teaches contemporary dance, a style mm -hmm. of contemporary dance. And we were doing push-ups that were like in his style, like very abstract with like a bounce, you know, and like the intention was just something else. Mm. Um, so I was thinking about that as you were talking about uh, that experience. And isn't it funny that when someone gives you a task like this, Sometimes your normal reaction might be like, oh, that's not how push-ups are done. Mm -hmm. Like I've been doing push-ups all my life. 
this isn't like making the most out of a, a push-up. So you have to be aware sometimes of these little voices where you're shown like a different type of push-up. And you might even notice it when you see something on the internet and you're like, oh, that's a poorly performed push-up, you know, like they're not making the most out of like this push-up because they're, they're doing it in this way. But then you kind of have to catch yourself to be like, oh, well, you know, are they doing push-ups for the same reason that you're doing push-ups? Are they the same person as, as you? Do they need to be doing it like you? Well, you know, who says that doing push-ups in, in your way is like the most ultimate way, right? But as you said, like you go to a contemporary dance workshop, it's a totally different context. And so what makes a push-up a push-up? You just like, you can get lost in that sort of question for, for ages, but it's like, uh, right. you got to remember that, it's all context individual dependent, right? Right. And well, it's also like, you know, the words help us be able to talk about it, but they're also like have the potential to like create the limitations and the boxes for like what something is and what something isn't, you know? Yeah, exactly. So it can be like for a lot of people, they might see that and yeah, think that it's not a push up, right? Mm -hmm. And but then once they meet that person build a relationship go to this experience right then their terminology of a push-up is expanded and they or you always remember now going oh you know like that you could call it that's a kilvati push-up now like yeah. i've <laughs> i've done that i'm gonna i'm gonna remember that and i'm gonna i'm gonna take that one yeah. um say so, then then that's a beautiful thing you know then then you're your terminology and your experience of a push-up is you, you'll never forget that now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I realized like um, you and I, I, I think are in like kind of this really, I don't know, to me, it's unique. I don't think that many people have had upwards of like 60 or 70, 90 minute plus <laughs> conversations with people in and around a certain topic. Um I mean, I don't know that many people actually have that long, many long conversations in a year's time span at all um, mm. with, you know, that many different people. So I'm curious now after like, cause you, you, you've recorded a lot. I'm, I'm curious, like what your perspective on being a generalist or movement or why you were doing movement, like what it was when you started, if it's the same now, or if it's not what it is. Mm. Um, because I'm asking because I know my perspective has changed quite a bit because of getting to chat with all these different people mm. and I'm sure it'll continue to change, but I'm, 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 I'm curious with you as well. Yeah. I think it's natural for your perspective to evolve. Right. And, you know, I must say for you as well, you know, really look up to your consistency with these podcasts and I'm like, Oh, Carl's posted another one. This is great. I can't wait to <laughs> listen in to this. And I think, it is such a blessing, right, to have these long-form conversations with people. I think of times where sometimes, like, you go out with your mates camping, right, and it's, like, so nice. And I think the core key feature of that being nice is sometimes you sit around a fire and you guys have don't have your phones, don't have nothing, and you just, like, chat for, it's not 90 minutes, you know, it could be, like, five hours, right? And you're like, oh, this is, like, this is good, you know, and... Maybe we just don't do that as often as we should be doing th these days, right? So I think we're 
blessed in some format. Maybe everyone needs to have like the discuss the the form of the podcast so that they can reconnect with their caveman fire experiences. Who knows? Like, <laughs> but uh, as to your question, so yeah, definitely my um, perspective has evolved from having the conversations, but even from the start of my original motivators for getting into this whole movement practice as well. So if we like bring it back to the very start, you know, when I was growing up, I was a competitive swimmer. So this was something that my mum told me she put me in a pool when I was three months old, had no choice, just had to (laughs) sink or swim. But apparently I had a talent for it. So by about the age of like three or four, I was already starting to compete in, in these, you know, like a toddler type, type races. (laughs) And so, uh, yes, that was something that I just have all these memories of was going every weekend to all these swimming race carnivals that normally be out in the middle of nowhere, like in these country ones, because there wasn't enough races all the time within the cityscape. So you'd have to go out to the country and normally in the country they'd have, I don't know if you watched the Olympics, but you know, Australia and USA, we always battle in the, (laughs) in the swimming, right. And so swimming is like very popular here as well. And in the country, they always have very, very good swimmers. Um, And you always just joke is because, you know, they don't have anything else to do out there, which may be true, but um, competition was always pretty fierce. And so I had like a very strong physical upbringing in in that sense because I had the swimming. I was doing taekwondo for a bit as well because my dad I think wanted to go, so I went together with my with my dad. Um, but then I started to slow down once I got into the later years of high school, where then it became all about academic studies. Right, you're like, oh shit, you know, now I got to be proper and real, and I got to try and prepare myself to get a job. And if I don't get into university, I mean, I'm Asian. I've got Asian parents. It's like, your life's going to be over if you don't get into university. (laughs) (laughs) So you better like (laughs) drop everything and just study. So I did that Mm -hmm. basically. (laughs) And so I think in year 11 or 12, I don't know what the equivalent is of it over there, but the last two years of high school, uh, it was I was just studying basically still had like the sport component that was compulsory in school. But apart from that, didn't really do too much. Um, And so I guess my reasons for practicing back then was, you know, my mom told me to do it. Basically I didn't really have like much of a choice and I didn't really reflect. I think sometimes of like why I was doing all these trainings like in the pool as well sometimes like seven eight times a week staring at this black line all the time it was just like well one was maybe like I was good at it felt really good to do a medal but otherwise just keep on training and then after a certain point then there was this new need that arose which was like do well your studies and it was okay well yeah why do I need to do swimming training anymore Mm -hmm. like it was kind of like getting a bit boring because I was just in the pool all all the time so like see you later (laughs) that that's it um and after school that was yeah I think I had about like 
six months to a year where I was kind of like in a bit of physical limbo. I wasn't really like doing too much. I was just like partying, doing all that sort of stuff. And then one of my friends asked me to go to the gym with him at university. And that was when I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll go to the gym. That sounds pretty cool. Like, And so I went to the gym and at the time I was just having a good time with him because, again, like we talk about these long conversations, like I'd go there and then we'd be there for like an hour or 90 minutes and I'd just get to chat with my mate, hang out, have a good time. You pump some weights. You're like, oh, this feels good because it does feel good. And then you're like, all right, well, I think this is a good thing. And then that gym, because it was in university, I started seeing like some of my classmates there. I started making friends in the gym. So for a lot of it, that gym was a very big like social driver for me where I would just go there because I would feel connected. I remember I used to joke, I'd be able to go at any time of day in this gym, even by myself. And I would have at least one or two friends there and we'd just have like a good time and just like chat and, and connect and like working out that, that was fun bit. But looking back on it, I think like the more important part for me was that, yeah, just, I could just spend this time with these people, which I enjoyed spending time with. Right. And then over the years with the gym, especially at the start, like, I guess this was in the 18 to 21 year old sort of, uh, age range. So of course, like you want to get like big and strong just because this is like a new sort of physical domain that you're entering in and then your body's changing and it's like at the start it's really fast as well you know the first time you pump weights you feel all these new things in your body that you've never felt before right and you're like got that testosterone going you're like all right like if I get big big and strong as well maybe I'll get the ladies as well so like I gotta like hit it hard and at that time I think in the in what you could find all over the internet it was all about like lifting hard lifting heavy the crossfit started like coming out as well and like it was all about like getting lean jacked and ripped i mean it probably is still now as well but like you bond bonded with that message a lot right especially as a 20 year old male and say for my physical practice that it was all about like how heavy could i lift and how big could I get and like how how fit could I look basically so those were like the motive key motivating factors for for me and then so so how how big did you get uh I never got like big big like so I was only like maybe like 82 sort of kilos but I started from like 65 you know 67 from when i first started so like that's pretty big big significant change right for like i'm not too tall either and then for the weights that i was lifting i remember i don't know who comes up with like these standards right but you read when you're young that uh, a good strength standard is that you deadlift triple your body weight you <laughs> squat double your body weight and you bench like one and a half times your body weight and so i think i read something like that and it was like all right those are the strength standards that's what i need to like get up to so i like started trying to like 
figure out how how to get there i think i, I got the bench i got mm-hmm. the squat i never got the deadlift because i wasn't good at that but that sort of gives you a sense of like yeah i was starting to live to relative to my size like some pretty heavy weight in this yeah. sort of br- brute force way of going about it like yeah. just going like i'm just going to keep on pounding myself by putting more plates on basically wow. so I, um that's uh, that that was sort of that period and then I remember there was this old guy there who introduced me into Olympic lifting because he always used to do it and we had like one platform there and the first time I saw that I was like oh yeah that that looks really cool and so I just walked up to him and said oh can you teach me how to do this and so yeah he he started teaching me like a few things and I started like playing around with that and like I think the feeling of getting a weight over your head is yeah it's quite amazing right so you, you're standing there and you've like clean and jerked this way and you and um and you're holding it and I was like okay like this is this is pretty addictive as well so I just started messing around with that and again that that was never never formally trained I just pieced that together with some like training videos that I saw and this this guy's his name was Dave Dave's instruction um and he, he had a couple of mates that came like every every so often they used to have this saturday session early in the morning where they were like the age seemed to range from about 50 to maybe like late 60s and some of those guys that come in and they they would just try and bench really really heavy like especially on that saturday morning and i was like wow this is funny but it's cool because they were just like a group of five to six sort of guys still coming and hanging out on a weekly basis, like crunching these big weights and what, and some of them would do the Olympic lifts as well. Like one guy had this amazing snatch. And when I first saw that, I was like, wow, okay. Like I want to learn that. So they started teaching me some pointers of how to do that. And I remember I got to this point where, yeah, I was feeling like physically big and strong, you know, I was like, okay, like, I had the identity. I think I started to adopt, to adopt where I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm strong. And then, because I'd never really competed in a team sport before, because I was just like a solo competitive swimmer when I was growing up, I started asking myself, "Oh, it'd be cool to just like do a sport and do a sport where I could actually." talk to people during training because when you're swimming, you're just like face full of water. You're not really <laughs> ever conversing with anybody. So then I don't know how I got involved, but um, field hockey came up. I think someone I knew was doing it. And I was like, ah, oh, like, yeah, that could be cool. Like field, field hockey, I could give that a go. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to the first training session and, you know, here I was with this like 82 kilogram Asian Hulk, who's like this big, strong guy. And I'm like, I'm going to dominate hockey. Look at this little stick. Like there's no, there's no way I'm not going to be not good. Cause all my experiences from before, like, especially like from swimming was that like, was that I was good. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, I do something and I'm good at it. And then I and remember oftentimes, that- And then oftentimes like that, like physical aesthetic of like being strong or looking strong gives this this uh, sometimes and often potentially the illusion that like it yep. means you're strong in everything exactly exactly so i remember stepping onto that pitch and going like 
I'm strong in everything and I'm just going to like crush this ball. <laughs> and then first few training sessions and I'm like, I've got these big strong legs and they're useless. Like I was like, have I forgot to run? <laughs> and so I remember trying to like, you know, sidestep something or even in hockey, you got to like bend over to dribble and you're bending over and you're kind of like in this like mid-range half squat for like a long time. And I remember just not being able to hold it for like more than 15 seconds without like my whole posterior just feeling on fire or my whole back on fire. And I was so confused because I was like, I'm lifting like 150 kilos, you know, deadlifting easy. This, And I can't just bend over and dribble the ball and just run at the same time. I kind of trip up over myself and I'm just like kind of loafing around. Like I felt really physically heavy. And that was the first sort of wake up call where I was like, all right, what, what's happening here? Like, you know, I've been sold on this big and strong thing and this isn't, this isn't how it, it's been playing out because the narrative that I've been reading before is that you reach these strength standards and you're just good to go in life, you know, like, right. uh, you're I think a perfect were, human at that point. <laughs> exactly. You know, I think there were like some guys selling this five by five program as well, which was like, Oh, if you, you know, reach some of these standards, you you should be able to just apply yourself to like a 20 minute run and just be fine or whatever. And I'm like here trying to play this hockey and I've like reached these standards and I'm like, I feel like shit. <laughs> like mm. this is, <laughs> this is not working. And so that sort of got me to reorientate. Yeah. How I felt and viewed myself physically to be like, Oh, okay. Like actually I want to be like agile. Mm. I want to be able to, at least run in these multi-angle directions and not feel like an oaf. Um, I mean, I had the context of hockey because I losing sucks. So mm -hmm. I wanted to, to learn how to win as well. So I started adding, you know, this, this running into my practice. I started like losing some of the muscle mass to gain a more like, you know, to gain more athleticism. And, but I still remember that as being one of the first real points where, yeah, I started just questioning a bit going like, ah, oh, you know what you read out there, you can't just be trusted just as is because before I've been just told something and that that's all that that's correct. But now I know there's something that's directly contra indicating something else. So, um, yeah, at, but at that point, I think it was like 21 to like 23, I didn't really have like an intelligent training plan other than just to like add all that in on top of all my lifting as well. So it was like, let's just do everything now and I'll go lift weights and then go straight to the hockey field and let's run around like a madman for two hours and I'll be fine. And somehow I was able to do that for at least like the first sort of year and a half and like worked out really well. But then after a while, you know, the body started just really under recovering. And I remember I would be confused cause I start off these seasons really strong and really, uh, uh, really being able to do well. But then as the game started progressing, 
I'd just feel this huge sense of fatigue and I'd be like, oh, I don't have any run in my legs. But I didn't have any answer to it because I was so addicted to, to lifting because I had all these prior experiences there and all these social connections as well. So I kept on doing that. And in the hockey as well, I wanted to be a better player. So the answer for that is just do more training for that. And so you got these like different and no, I, yeah, no one was sort of telling me, ah, you know, you can just actually do less to do more. I was like, no, no pain, no gain. Just like push harder. Like, let's just, (laughs) let's just do, do more training. So that was when I was, yeah, you know, strange sort of place with competing sort of priorities and I, I, d- I didn't really know which way to head until until I think yeah my life circumstances just changed because I finished university and so I started to go into full-time work and I think due to full-time work that's when I just started like downscaling a few things because my time was shifted and I didn't really have like you know, my university schedule was ridiculous. I didn't really have to go to class that much at, at all. And I could just like sleep all day. And so I was like, okay, like I gotta, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta figure out my, myself here, how, how, how to actually um, recover for actually working. Cause I'm like tired all the time. What, so, what, what, what did you do for work or what, what were you hired for at that point? Yeah. So I was always set so at university. I, studied actually like two degrees so i did engineering and and law and uh at the end of it i was in this position where you're supposed to have figured out what you want to be right it's like now you've done that normally when you finish year 12 year like the last year of high school they put all this pressure on you to be like you got to choose the degree that you know, it's going to set you up for your career. And I'm like, I have no idea what I'm going to do, but I've got a good enough score. So I'm just going to study these two quite different things. And maybe that will help me get into a broad range of things because I still don't know what to do. And then you get to the end of university and you're like, oh, that was kind of like good, but I I don't know. Like, do I want to be an engineer or do I want to be a lawyer? I don't, I don't really know. So I started working at this um, engineering consultancy that was part of the university for for a while, but then I moved uh, and then u- utilized my law degree by working at the taxation office here as as well. So just again, just trying to taste like different worlds and figure out like what do I do in life, basically. So that was my yeah first experiences for work. Mm-hmm. So you're, so you're doing that and then you're like, okay, well now I've got to downsize because I can't be lifting all day and then playing field hockey in, yeah. the, in, in the part-time. So you're like, well, now I've got to share. I really have to be careful about what I choose to do because the time is limited. Yeah. It was like the, the time was limited. Like, so I had some like, um, injuries as well from both like the the hockey but then like some workplace injuries when I was like working in a warehouse job when I was um in university as well so um they forced some time off but then because I didn't really like properly rehab them as well these sort of issues started coming up so I had like a skiing accident where I dislocated my shoulder and like I had a 
a warehouse um, uh, accident where I crushed my foot in between two things. Uh, um, that was uh, yeah, that that was pretty bad as well. I was walking oh around in this moon moon boot for for a while. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that that was yeah, not a pretty sort of um, accident. I mean, I was lucky. I didn't have to have any. I've never had any surgery from any of these um, injuries. Like hockey, I was like hit in the face with one of the balls, but like trying to go for goal at one point, and <laughs> that 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 was interesting as well. So a few, yeah, like a few close shaves and uh, cl- close calls. Luckily, that hit me just just underneath the the teeth here, and so it didn't knock my teeth out, but just like <laughs> in this, just above the. Um, the chin which was like extremely lucky wow um but uh yeah due due to these um prior injuries as well i started my body started not feeling as good and that might just be a thing as well once you start training for a few years and you eclipse the sort of like i'm not young 20s anymore as well so you know i'm starting to get 24 25 which is not old either but maybe if you've been training in the gym for like five years, people sort of know this sort of experience where you've just been doing these habitual patterns and, you know, just going in there and doing the same thing all the time, which was like squat, deadlift, row, bench press, um, overhead press, but maybe with some Olympic lifting as well. And you're just like doing it in this, um, in this way, which isn't always like super aware as well. So you just like, you're more fixated on the goal of, okay, I'm lifting up this amount of weight from the bar rather than going like, okay, like how am I positioned under the bar? How am I pushing How How is my scapula set? You know, all, all these sort of like awareness, which markers, which, which might've helped. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had these, incidents in the gym i think especially like around the shoulder where maybe i'd like overhead press or i'd um do a pull up in a certain way and then like my neck or my shoulder would be burning and say suddenly it's like oh okay like this this feels like shit now like (laughs) this used to feel really good and now i'm like a bit worried um say and then because of the foot as well that change kind of changed my running gait a little bit and for a while wasn't so comfortable to run on my foot and then my, like it was doing some things with my hips so then it was like ah, oh, like that doesn't feel so good either so this is when I started yeah asking myself oh like what am I kind of doing here and I started bringing and tapering off the intensity. And then I actually stopped playing hockey as well because I moved house and then where my hockey team was, it was a bit far to get to. And that was where I tried to decide at that point in my life that I was done with cars as well. Cause I'd like bought this like one speed bicycle and I was living in a city and I was like, Oh, this is, this is gonna, this is awesome now. Like I don't have to ever drive. Uh, I'm just going to like ride my bicycle around, but then one of the costs for that, cause you can't ever, everything in life for free is that, uh, maybe I can't do my hockey practice anymore because that's like a 30 minute drive away and on weekend competitions as well. It's always like very far away. So maybe that's something I'm just going to have to give up, which was fine as well, because at that time, I mean, 
you're sort of like a young graduate, you're getting this money in. I mean, all I wanted to do as well was just like party. So you moved out of home and you're living in a city and you're living with your mates and you're just having a good time. So that was like that period of my life. And so the physical practice side of it was really just, it was more like a habitual thing. I would, I would say just because I'd been doing it from before and that was the place that still sort of made me give this sense of identity of, of building myself or being strong and like feeling somewhat good, but then it got conflicted because then I had these injuries as well. Right. So sometimes I'd go in there and be kind of a bit scared and I wouldn't want to push myself because it'd be, I'd always kind of have in the back of my head uh, when I'm doing really well, like when I'm starting to get like my strength levels up that I was kind of like one workout away from another tweak or injury. And that was the terrible sort of feeling that I used to carry that I was kind of a bit afraid of, pushing into that intensity. Right. So, uh, that was where I was like, okay, like what, what am I doing here? But this was kind of all coming at the same time where I was just asking these life questions as well, such as like, what am I actually doing in life? And is it what I'm doing actually what I'm supposed to be doing? Mm-hmm. So yeah, around that 25, to 26 year old period I was uh really sitting down reflecting a lot I had um taken a few courses as well like sought guidance from some people as well and just been asking myself like yeah I've always been sort of confused as to what I want to manifest in life and and do like my actions seem to be a result of that because i studied these ridiculous degrees. I'm sort of working these jobs, but then these jobs aren't giving me any sense of joy either. Um, I'm partying all the time. I'm having a good time with that, but I don't think I can be like just partying all the time. That doesn't seem like a a way forward where I'd be in good health in 10, 20 years as well. Mm -hmm. So with that, I remember uh, I had this opportunity during this Christmas to New Year's uh, one uh, one year where I could either, I had 10 days off and I was like, for these 10 days, I could either just lose myself and just go to this festival or go out every single night. You know, it's middle of summer here in Australia. Everyone normally has it off as well. I can do that. Like I've been doing that for the past few years oh, I can take this 10 days and just like figure out what the hell am I doing in certain facets of my, of my life. So I sat down and I was like, okay, I'm not going to leave the house for 10 days and I'm just going to figure out like what, what, am, what am I, what am I doing? And one, one of the areas was like in the physical realm because I was like, I feel like shit. I feel like I don't want to be living in this place of fear where I'm like one workout away from injury or that my neck becomes tweaked again, or my hip becomes tweaked again. And I just feel like it's not right. It's like, I'm 20, 25. Like 
if this is happening now, what am I going to feel like in, in 10, 20 years? Like yeah. that's not a good place to be. So, so would, had, would yeah. you say that you were kind of like reflecting on like, at least at that moment, like what your values are or like what your values could be or, or is it like broadly? Yeah, I think it was, um, it was partly that, but it was like partly just like almost like setting up a vision for myself of like what I wanted to, to do as well. So, I mean, at that, at that time I, I'd actually found a job that I really enjoyed. I mean, it's actually the same job that I'm doing now. Um, so really in, in, enjoy th- this job. Um, but there was this sense as well that I was like, okay, like outside of just like working a great job as well, like what can you do in this, in this life basically? And, um, I'd been kind of talking about it with a friend as well. We called it this like this like life sort of challenge and almost like wrote up this bucket list of all these like crazy things, right, that you can experience within the world. And you sort of look at this list and you're like, yeah, when when can I ever like start experiencing and doing these things in this uh, in this list unless you make some quite intentional changes to how you're living or if you really want to do that, like how are you going to achieve that basically? So I don't know if it was more like, I think maybe like I figured out from this exercise, maybe what I valued, but it was more like in terms of setting like a a clear sort of vision and direction as to where I wanted to, to, to head, especially in the, in the next few years. So Mm -hmm. from that that list, like one of the items that I had there was like, oh, I really wanted to experience what it was like living overseas for like a long, a long time. And I'd just been to Japan on this like short sort of trip. And I was like, wow, this country is like amazing. Like I never experienced anything like that. I feel like this sense of like connection to it. Like I want to see what that's like. Like Australia has this wonderful working holiday program where you can go there, get a visa and live there for up to two years. And I always had it in the back of my mind as well going like, what would it be like to just like quit your job and just buy a one-way ticket and just leave, you know, like the, <laughs> it's a bit like no one really does that too much, but it's kind of like a bit cool as well because you you don't know there's this like whole uncertainty there where you kind of just like dive into it and, and see what happens. So like from the, this list, it was like, okay, well, maybe I'm just going to have to like quit my job and go to, go to Japan and just figure things out and see what I want to do. And one of my friends as well, he'd been doing this bicycle trip, bicycle touring trip. And I saw that and I was like, that seems that seems really cool as well maybe maybe i can do maybe i can do that um and then i had this thing about like oh like i've always wanted to go to china if i'm quitting my job like i guess i can go anywhere like maybe i I should go to china as well because ethnically like um i'm chinese or chinese thai chinese malay and china's like such this big like sort of void where you don't hear about 
too much of like the breadth of China, especially in Australia, other than it's this big industrial city, basically. Uh, so I was like, oh, I want to find out more about um, about that country. And so, yeah, within these 10 days, like I really sat down and asked myself this question and being like, okay, like what do I want to do? And, and this came out where I was like, oh, okay, like uh, I want to live in Japan for, you know, at least one year. And then I want to travel to China to go on this, uh, this bike tour tour as well. And I want to not be living in this fear of, of pain within my body as well. So that's where I was like, okay, if I'm serious, well, I got to start studying Japanese. So mm -hmm. I was like, all right, let's do it. So like, I just like dove straight into it with like, and I set up that habit in those 10 days where I was like, I'm going to be studying it like three hours every day, every day for these 10 days to, to see what this is like. So I started doing that. Wow. Then, then after those three hours were done, I was like, I'm going to start researching into training methods because I think my training method is not right at the moment for me. So then I would like have a break and then I start Googling around and just finding out like, yeah, what's out there for, for training. And that's where I started getting on all this like mobility stuff. And so like, you know, the mo mobility seemed to be like the fix and the cure all for, for all pain. Right. That's, that's how it's like sort of sold. So you're like, okay, like, what's this all about? Like this, um, I never really done any type of like stretching or active stretching or however you want to classify it. Maybe I try this. This seems quite interesting. And so I'm just like following along whatever I can find on YouTube. And that's when I came across like a video from Tom Merrick where he had a bunch of all this stuff about like mobility. And one of the mobility exercises that he selected was like Ido's shoulder stabilization routine. And so I clicked on that and I'm like, oh, what's, th what's this all about? And that was like on Ido's blog. And then you start going through like, you know, all these posts and you're like, okay, well, what the fuck is this guy about? Like, he's <laughs> like, I'm he's doing all this stuff I've never even seen before. Like, this is crazy. But he's also talking about it in this quite interesting way as well, which resonated with me. And then, you know, that, that started that, that journey there where then I was just trying to like, you know, do all the old blog workouts and, and figure out that. And I do like squat routine three times a day and then the shoulder thing, like two times a day. But the thing was like, I started to feel better from it as well. I was like, ah, oh, like maybe there's something here. So then I started incorporating parts of that into like what I was doing. So that's how that sort of started at that, at that time. Um, I think I've got, you, you, you kind of you know. did like a self-imposed like 10 day retreat or something like a, like a silent, like meditation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of call it, it's just like the 10 day reset or something. And I sometimes think, Oh, like, well, will I do that again? Like I just take, because it's quite a treat, right. I think for anyone to take like, 10 days for themselves and just figure, figure shit out. Mm -hmm. Maybe we need to be doing more of that as well. Cause I, yeah, there was, um, 
I remember there was, uh, yeah, the guys in my house, like they were going out, that sort of thing. And I was just like locked in. I was like, no, nah. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. I'm just like figuring this out. This is what I, this is what I need to do. I was so determined. Um, and it so was really so nice. That, so at that time then, like, how would you have like, kind of, I don't know, described what that practice was for you? Was it kind of like a, some sort of like maintenance or kind of like rehab at the time? Or, yeah, I was very, very focused on that, but I would still be, so I started dabbling more in the body weight strength realm as well. So I was trying to figure out like, okay, like this handstand thing, what's, what's this handstand thing about? So um, I would be just going up on the wall and, and trying to like hold myself there. Uh, I was just working out at the outdoor gym. So just a lot of like pull-ups, dips uh, mixed in with, with running, but then I would um, be exploring just like all these like mobility exercises that I'd find on the internet, basically. So I'd be like, okay, like what's this type of stretch? Maybe I need to do this type of stretch or what's this type of unusual movement that I haven't seen before. Like, Oh, I'll do, do this movement. Okay. Like, yeah, I found these like shoulder band stabilization routines. Maybe I need to be doing that. And again, it was all like an exploration of exploration by addition. So it was like, however much time that I had, I would just fill that up with just trying like going, okay, yeah, maybe I need to be doing some squat thing to open up my squat a, a, a bit more or, and it wasn't, yeah, I, I think it was more about like gaining this experience of going like, Oh, what does it mean to like move in this way or to, to this way? And what that started to show me was like, I didn't have to work out to this point of like super intensity all the time, because for so many years before my experience was I go to the gym and I push myself really hard so that I can lift the maximal amount of weight that I can for that day. But then now I'm doing it and I'm say like, you know, moving this band around with my shoulder and yeah, it's kind of hard, but I'm not like cooked from it. I'm not super tired from it, but I'm starting to feel good from it. So I was like, ah, oh, is this like a missing link where I'm just sort of like, moving around and I'm not like overstressing my body and it's starting to feel better. And then I can w walk away still kind of feels like a workout, but it's not really a workout. If you know what I mean, I feel good. So I was like, okay, this is nice, but I still like the intensity part. So where I could, I try and push the intensity like in either like I'd have a session back at the gym or, you know, I'd, I'd run really hard or I'd do like maximum amount of pull-ups. So yeah, that's, that's how it kind of looked at that time. I always think, uh, or not always, I more and more nowadays realize that like this idea of like doing things that are like maximal effort or something or whatever, the, that realm of like to exhaustion in some way mm. is, uh, is this privilege is a, of like existing in like a world of abundance because at no other time would we ever actually want to like push ourselves to a point of like complete exhaustion and, you know, be wasting our energy and like, and, and in some ways get having the privilege of like moving inefficiently where we're like wasting energy as well, because like we would want to conserve 
we would want to have like vitality so that we could do more things later. It's like, it's, it's, it's again, it's like this funny new phenomenon of like, oh, well, the food will be there and we can have as much of it as we need so we can like go crazy. Yeah. And, you know, every other time we'd almost be like, well, how do I, how do I accomplish this task using as little energy as possible? Yeah. We have this abundant oversupply of like energy basically. And you, um, you sit at the computer all day and you eat all this, you know, quite dense food as compared to anything before that we've ever had in our, um, in our human existence. Right. So then, and so then you have this energy to burn. You are quite, quite right. Maybe we're like bringing you back to what you were uh, talking about earlier was like, you know, you malnourished in some ways, but overnourished in other ways. And then it creates this like weird sort of uh, you, you have to set up on this, like, yeah, weird sort of balance where then taken uh, with this, big social sort of narrative as well about how you got to like push really hard. I mean, you're not even talking about the gym, right. But just pushing hard in life. That's, that's what's celebrated to become successful. You need to like kill it (laughs) basically. And so you take that attitude to then the physical realm where the body does reward us with these endorphins when you reach these limits of uh, intensity as well. So I think that's where it becomes confusing because then emotionally you become connected with these feelings of, of, uh, of, uh, of this rush of this like high that you get once you, you know, do a hard sprint or you, you know, you do like leg day for the first time at the gym and, feels unbelievable <laughs> to, to be honest. And so you're like, okay, like this is the way, <laughs> this is the way, like who can, who can deny the pure feeling of emotions and you can't forget that uh, as well. So um, like it does put you in a, in a funny sort of place, but I think as with all things, like you do too much of it and it can come back in a bad way. So um, yeah, you know, maybe, bringing it back to what you first asked, which was like with the perspective of physical practice, like my initial motivations for going into this, like, you know, we can call it movement practice or whatever was fear-based, like for going, like, I don't want to be in pain anymore. Basically it was like, how do I fix myself? I even had this list, this Excel list, which I would note down every pain that I have and be like, (laughs) <laughs> what's what, what what's the cause of it you know what's the root cause of it because <laughs> i was like i'm done with this this is a, this, this this is my I'm, I'm an engineer this is my systematic way of viewing my body and going like how am i going to fix number eight on the list this 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 pain <laughs> right that's so funny so then what it, so if that's what it was then after now doing what you've done and also getting to like talk with all these people, what, what is, what is the perspective now? Or if you were to like describe it in, you know, what, whatever you think the message is for like being a generalist, I'm curious, like after, you know, all of this. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it is in essence to 
build these relationships and have these great experiences with other people, basically. I mean, if you come into this field of movement and, you know, you can call yourself like a generalist, I mean, what does it enable you to do? It enables you to move in all these different fields with all these different people and have this amazing, wonderful time. Like I can go rock climbing now. I'm not going to be good at rock climbing, but I'm going to be at least able to participate in that sport of rock climbing with these people, meet mm-hmm. these people. I can learn from them as well. I have this framework of learning as well, where I wouldn't be lost in this way of going, shit, I don't really know what to do. And I'm just worried about my capacity of my body. Um, because a lot of people in that frame where you'd just be worried about going like, Oh, I'm not going to be able to pull up like for more than five minutes before like getting too tired. And so then you're limited by your body in enabling yourself to have this wonderful experience because you're a little bit worried about your general fitness or your general strength. And so maybe if someone invites you to this like camping trip where you're going to go rock climbing, you'd be like, uh, well, yeah, actually I don't really want to do that because that feels a bit too hard. But where I am now, I feel like, I have this enablement where someone invited me, I'd be like, yeah, this would be amazing. And then I could connect with that person. They'd probably show me like all these, you know, hundred things about rock climbing and I'd be able to almost have this terminology to understand that and see how that applies to somewhere else as well. So then I get this like really rich learning experience as well that I might be able to take into other areas because that's just interesting to me as well. Cause I'm curious about those things, but what stays with me then is probably that camping trip where I got to like sit down with these other humans, have this like amazing time. And that's what I'm starting to realize with these conversations is, ah, now that I have these conversations and you probably realize this too, you've been all over Europe, right. With all these people where you actually get to meet in person and then, show your approach. They probably show you your approach, but in the end, you're just building experiences together and you'd never be able to do that. If you had, if you had no practice at all, you know, that's one side of the spectrum or maybe another side of the spectrum is like, you're like so far down a certain path of a way of seeing like what we're talking before. And so stuck in your perspective that you think all other perspectives are wrong. And because of that, you just sort of like exclude all these other invitations to to see another way of 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 doing because you're like no that's not the right way you become so stubborn within that way which could have its benefits as well because some stubborn people have created some wonderful specialized things as well and attract a certain group but you know i like from this practice is that it means that yeah if someone invites me to go do something like i can go do it basically interesting. I had a conversation with somebody not too long ago and they told me that, you know, they felt like they struggled, like connecting with people who like didn't do movement, you know, like they Mm -hmm. felt like, um, they were, I forget how they said it exactly, but it was something to the effect of like, yeah, that they, 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 they struggled to relate to people unless they were like in that same field of interest. And I thought that there was something tragic about that because Mm. to me, like, and it's kind of what you're describing um, is that it's like a practice of communication, right? 
and if anything like it to me i wish for it to make me and the people that i share things with to like be able to communicate with more people and more environments more efficiently Mm -hmm. you know so like you know the same way that i'd love to be able to walk down to a coffee shop right now and there be somebody who's from a completely different generation from a different place in the world and be able to like find a bridge to communicate you know Mm -hmm. It's it's the same thing. Like, like oh, like we do these things so that we can have more ways of communicating with the world in all the different ways. So when I think of like that idea mm-hmm. of like being so down in one hole that you struggle to communicate with other people who aren't in that same hole as you, I'm like, well, that's when I would begin to question the hole that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's just different ways of seeing. Once again, right? Like. Um... For, for us, I think we really value relationships and we really value like communal experience and building experience with, uh, with other people. I mean, for me, that's where I find a lot of joy and I get a lot of energy out of when I have like a conversation such as like we're having this conversation with you. It's definitely woken me up if, you know, <laughs> this early in the morning for me, but now I'm like feeling really good. But if we didn't have this, I'd be on a different energy state, right? I, I probably wouldn't have such a high of energy. I know that after this, like I'm going to go out on my day and I'm going to feel really good. But on other days where I'm not really communicating with anyone, say like I'm just having to like study as well. It's a different type of energy as well. Maybe I'm really interested about this study. Like it could also bring the same sort of, uh, same sort of like uh almost like similar energy level but the energy quality is is different and so for me i've just had i've just realized that you know we go about in this life and we have this wonderful chance to experience all these different things and you can experience things by yourself and so you know one key thing of about this is just you know being being aware of your actions and being aware of experience and how wonderful experience can be when you really like slow down and just come to come to come to just observe things as they are but then almost like an additional accelerant on top of that is like when you can experience this with another person with a group of people and that can be just like wonderful, you know, I've been to, and maybe some of this is like from my festival days where I, well, my festival days aren't numbered, but I want to get more, more festivals, but who can deny when sometimes you go to this festival and everyone is there and you're all just like, say, dancing together and you're all t- together and everyone is just so happy. And you have this like wonderful, like, it's like, it's like this love as well, where, you can't have that just by yourself. And so I've just come to realize that later. By the end of my life, what am I going to reflect on the most? It's probably going to be these experiences that I have with other people, with these relationships that I have had with other people. Like that's most important to me. I don't know if you've ever uh, come across this blog called Wait But Why? But um, it's this... uh, funny sort of blog which has these incredibly deep long articles sometimes which are filled by with explanation of stick figures he likes to use stick figures in particular (laughs) to help 
go into these like quite quite deep topics and he's he has this article called the tail end and i'd really do recommend a lot of people to go and read this article called the tail end and basically he summarizes graphically just like the number of days that you may have in a typical sort of life but he starts off first by showing like just with maybe like uh, a number of dots, like how many days or weeks or months you may have if you lived like an 85-year-old life or something. But then he substitutes that out to going, okay, with experiences. So uh, he uses, I think, the example of a Super Bowl. So Super Bowl is you know, only, only so many times during like a, a year period. And it's like, you may only witness a few amount of Super Bowls that you have left in your life. Then he talks about like, if you go out for Chinese once a month, like if you kept on doing that for the rest of your life, how many times you may experience like having Chinese <laughs> for the rest of your life. But then he does a real flip, which really like, gets me which he then maps out going like think about how many more times you may experience things with your parents at the start of your life you have like every single day with your parent and and he shows you this graphically where then it's all these pieces um which have now been like struck off because you've like you know consumed these uh days where you've lived with your parents until this point where maybe you've moved out of home and maybe you moved to a different city and then you only see your parents like once every year. And then it goes, Oh, like you're not only dependent on your lifetime now, but you're on, on their lifetime. And if they're only going to live another 10 years, then you're only going to see your parents another 10 times. And that's what he calls like the tail end. Like then you only have like 10 more things where you can consume of these experiences where, you can enjoy with your parents <clears throat> and you see, you see this. And I saw this and I was just like, shit, man, like, yeah, you, you really got to treasure things. And when you have these um, opportunities to build these relationships with people and enjoy, like, and I know I get this sense of enjoyment as well. When I have these things, like these are the best things in life because they're not going to be forever. And when you think about it in that way, yeah, sometimes you're not going to have, like if we ever get the chance of meeting Kyle, like I'm not going to live in New York. You're probably not going to live in Melbourne. And so if you can consider it, maybe we'll have like one or two times where we can meet. And so those are going to be freaking awesome. I'm going to make sure that they're amazing. And that's, that's what I'm going to remember. It's a really um, beautiful way to like put it. I feel like uh, I feel odd adding to it, but I want to add to it only because I, you know, we've. I don't know how how old are you? I'm 33. Okay, and so we're 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 close. I'm like 37, and and there have been times in my life now where I've had that experience of something being the last time you know? And the thing with something being the last time is you don't know it's going to be the last time. Right. Yep. So like, I've had friends where like, it's been the last time that I've seen them and I don't, and I didn't know it at the time. 
Mm. So I've thought about what you're saying, but in a different way, but the idea that like, oh, like, remember anything could be the last one. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it sounds like so much of like what you've come to is that idea of being like, you know, your experiences are finite and, you know, keep that in mind. And, and, and it's so interesting hearing you talk about like how you started with, you know, your exploration and the tinkering and the injuries to, to lead you all the way to this place to be like, it's just about like experiences and being with people and, and cherishing those things because like, there's only a few of them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think about, it was like capoeira right now. I'm doing cap, capoeira. Like, what am I going to remember of it? What, what, what um, makes me uh, like so enthusiastic about this as well? It's like, oh, it's this group of people that were gathering around like twice a week and, <laughs> and I'm having such a good time. Like, yeah, we, I can, you can sort of play capoeira by yourself and practice that as well, but then coming together and then communicating in different ways, not only verbally, but then also physically together as well. And then with the music, it's a, it's a special type of energy and experience that we're creating that I think we're always going to remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. And I think that that's like something people need to, th- you know, if they care about it, it's worth thinking about a lot because I think people are very easy to fall into like um, places of like isolation, like, you know, especially with training programs and things like that, like, you know, only like kind of being alone and like focusing on it alone, especially in times where like, you know, you're being told maybe you need to like stay in your own place or something, but like you're almost remembering that like, you know, we, we, we self-regulate and we co-regulate. Like we said in the beginning, it's not or, it's always an and. And, yeah. and the the and that you're reminding people of is a very important and. I think it's like, Ian, uh, is it, um, I think it's Stephen Covey in the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He talks about like there's the stages to maturity where you want to, <coughs> you want to move uh, from like, independence to interdependence where then you become aware of that you're a a being in this world surrounded by other beings and it's not about being like oh i'm independent and you know self-sufficient and can do everything myself to and and i don't have to rely on others but then realizing like oh we all have to like work together and live together and help each other as well that that's just how we are like yeah you can be a hermit in the mountains i mean you that's that's the thing like you can do that but you know not many people do and i think for good reason because we realize that like living with other people is a wonderful thing you know it can be like the worst thing i think if you approach it in a certain way like every everyone has been in that circumstance where a relationship is bad and that can be really bad but on the flip side, it can be the best thing ever. And we've made it so far in like uh, our existence mm. 
we've accomplished so much by being cooperative, right? And like working with one another and like, you know, you know, it's like, I think about this a lot, like when it comes to something like strength, for example, like, you know, what did you say you could do like a two and a half times body weight back squat or something like that? Mm. You know, like that's a, to me, I, I feel like that's more like a unique kind of modern phenomenon, right? At any other time, if something was that heavy, like we would have gathered as many people as possible, <laughs> right? To like lift and like move the thing. Mm. Um, not to say that it, it, it's not a, a, a valuable thing, but it, it speaks to like how, you know, often we, we might not ask for like the, the support or the help, you know, that we've used for so many thousands of years to help get us to where we're at. Yeah. It's funny because you get trapped sometimes in your mind games as well. Like, again, that's that sense of like independence, like I'm going to lift this thing and it's going to be, this is, this is the thing that's going to make me, me, Mm -hmm. which is good sometimes. Like it's good. If you have like that fire, you have that focused energy, it can definitely reach you to places and new experiences that you've never had before, but you are right. Like sometimes like you can turn to a friend, you can be like, let's lift this thing together. And that's a different experience as well. Like, and maybe like one, which can be like more interesting to you at a certain point. I think it's uh, again, like where you are within your scope and what you've set your mind to as well. Cause on one side, sometimes like doing one thing can be really interesting because it's novel and it teaches you certain things. And yeah, if you've never lifted like twice your body weight back squat before, maybe that's, that's a wonderful thing to apply yourself to experience and to see like that certainly taught me like a few things. And, you know, if I look back on it and I had that, I was back at that same point in time, even with this collective experience, I probably still do the same thing if I've never done it before, because yeah, that was, that, that, that was nice. But then now that I've sort of done that, doesn't mean I have to always keep on doing that. Maybe I can choose a different way and see, oh, maybe there's a different way of lifting things. I can call on a friend or I can not do it in a traditional sort of squat way. I can choose a different way potentially. And that might teach me a few different things. I think, yeah, sometimes I ask like, oh, where does this curiosity come from? Or if I'm sort of interested in this search sometimes for seeing the differences in perspective as well, like where does that come from? Is, is, is this what it's all about? Like uh, for when, when I learn these certain things as well, is this like, why am I orientated in this, in this sort of way? I don't know that like maybe that's a part of a thing which doesn't need a logical, rational answer either. Maybe there's just this intuitive sense that I'm following where you're going, Oh, okay. This is feeling like innately what I should be doing and it feels nice and it feels, feels right. I can't explain that. And so I'm happy because I'm doing that. I'm following this sense. I don't know about you, but yeah, that's something that over the last few years as well, I've been really trying to trust, trust a lot more is like, you know, traditionally this gut feeling versus the I'm going to break this down and logically solve for something. I mean, I'm an engineer. This is what I do all the time, right? It's like must have mechanical solution for 
this, you know, must be abiding by some sort of formula. If I do this, like let's put all the advantages and disadvantages and then make the call based on that, based on the benefits. But that's not the only way of decision-making either, right? Like you can, you can make decisions just based on how you feel. And those can be wonderful decisions. On, and, you know, I I think, again, it's like this and, you know, like there's the logic and, and reasoning and then there's the thing that is, can't quite be articulated, you know? So like logic and reasoning is like that, to me, like the knowledge part of the brain and that handles complicated things. And then like there's that intelligence that's very complex and, you know, they dance with each other, but they're, they're, they're different but it's at this mm. end. And I think sometimes we lean really hard into that really complicated way of thinking and forget that we have that like complex thing that's evolved over like, you know, all of human existence to have this really deep innate intelligence, you know? And when I hear you talk about curiosity, the thing that I find valuable about curiosity is I think that it's a really valuable tool of like, uh, being like a citizen of like anything, right? Like the more people there are that are curious, the more like new ideas, tools, thoughts, creative solutions that kind of like feed the pot. I kind of always talk about like the movement soup, you know, and it's like, <laughs> you could just have one person's recipe and the soup will taste the same every time. Right. But you have like people coming from like different places, like from their own kind of like curious treks. And then one person's adding paprika and the other person's adding cumin and you're like getting like all these different kind of like spices and the soup is changing flavors. And then you're passing recipes on to different people and they're taking it on their journeys and then coming back and they have new things. And yeah, like curiosity is this wonderful feeling of like, um, you know, potential like personal euphoria on like the me level. And then curiosity has the real potential to feed the we level in this like magical way that I think is, is, is really valuable as well. Yeah. Then I think that again is like uh, an interesting thing to investigate as well is like, why does that alight our senses in that, in that way? Like, why are we not satisfied to just drink that same soup all the time? Like, cause that's also one way that potentially could be, a right or enriching way as well is like, you know, spending time in Japan, you have this idea of the craftsman. He does like the same thing every day for like 80 years. <laughs> but then, but I guess it does change over these times because then you see these craftsmen and what they've like, uh, what they've made and it might be like this sushi, right? And so like, it's like the most amazing sushi that, that you've had, but it's like doing the same thing for like 80 years straight. But versus like, as you say, like the movement soup where then you have like new chefs come in and then they add something and that makes you realize in a different way how soup could, could be. And uh, there's an uh, attractiveness about that because it's like new and exciting. Maybe that's just the personality type thing as well that because um, I'm like that as well. Like I've really realized for me, like new ideas and idea generation, like I, I love that the whole create a sort of energy and feeling when there is new stimulus and input into anything really excites me 
you know, yeah, like refining and sort of working on it over time, like that can be good, but it's not nearly as exciting as like I, I used to make music for a bit. It was always the most exciting when I got like a new sound pack or a new sort of sample sort of thing. And I like, I heard something new and it'd be like, I would have the most sort of creative inspiration when I had that new, as opposed to just keep on working on the same thing. Right. And we get that by like, you know, you know, bringing our curiosities to the table so that like people can have these like moments. And then it like, I don't know, that's, you know, that's the carrot on the end of the stick, you know, is that like, there's like joy on the other end of curiosity or on the other mm. side of, on the other end of like creativity and like things like curiosity and imagination can like be the spark of creativity. Mm-hmm. And I think mm. it's, uh, and I think it's valuable, you know, and I think, uh, yeah, I wish for more of it because I think um, sometimes we don't give our, ourselves like the space to like be creative you know, like, you know, we don't, we don't foster boredom anymore in a lot of spaces. Like, uh, you know, we, we, we're, we're quick to subscribe to ideologies, which, you know, don't give a ton of space for, for creativity, but like, I don't know, man, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, to me doing any sort of practice, whatever it is, you know, my wish is to, to, move through the world creatively and adaptably and cooperatively because I think that that's really like how we get somewhere you know Mm -hmm. and uh yeah anything that 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 feeds that you know and I think that your your desire for for new novel and uh you know kind of driven by curiosity and communication is like I don't know in line with that which I think is really you know beautiful to cross paths with Mm. yeah and it's um it's interesting as well like if you think about how when you were saying like oh how's the practice and perspective evolved over these years how it can end up landing in this in this realm as you're saying of realizing oh, okay like it helps support me to be more cooperative in this world to be more creative but where it starts I don't know where it started for you but you know, it can start, say for me, for just wanting to be like an externalizing factor of being fit and looking strong or to resolve this sort of pain. Mm-hmm. But it is like a very common factor that I've noticed within the guests that I have that it might always start out like that, but it doesn't end like that. It most normally does end in this sort of way of curiosity, of realizing yeah, something, something like internal, but then for with the with the reason of almost providing external benefit to the world, like around you. Yeah, well, I mean, this is like a, something I've I've brought up, like the idea that like I think, and it still exists, where there's kind of like this like structure that exists in like a pyramid, right? And on the bottom, it's almost like there's this like we'll call it culture or community. And it's all there to like feed movement that lands at the top, right? Mm -hmm. But it can look the other way where it's like, and maybe it's a little bit of like what we're talking about. We're like, now I've got the upside down pyramid and like movement and practicing and all these things are kind of at the bottom. And then like 
culture and community in all its forms are at the top and it can be something that feeds that. Yeah. Right. As opposed to it always being just like, oh, well, this is the be all and end all. Right. It can be like, oh, like, you know, feeding, feeding culture and, and society can be a part of like movement. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because that also like there's also the the path or the way that you can go down where, you know, movement becomes all about just self-practice and me, 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 and the acquisition of things. And there I can lock myself out in a, a room and just practice and, and just do that. And, you know, that's something that I, I did really like desire for a while and like talking about this, like Japan trip, there, there was like this one period where like I, I was just like, yeah, I just want to like figure out all this stuff and be away in, in a very like a remote place and just feed these like uh, selfish desires to learn more, but I'm going to figure it out as well. And I had this opportunity because it got, I was cycling my bicycle around Japan and then it got, it was wonderful. And then it got really cold and they have these like very like deep cold winters, which you don't really have in Australia. So it was like my first opportunity of going like, oh shit, like things are like minus here and like cold and I can't be riding my bicycle anymore. So then I, you know, I stopped in these mountains of Shikoku where I had like three or four months where I was uh, living in this hostel. I was helping out there. So I had, had board all sorted and I had this time because it was in deep winter where there was no real sort of visitors either because it was like deep in these remote mountains where I could like figure things out by myself, right? I was like this mountain hermit and I was like, yeah, I'm going to like get into this movement uh, thing. And uh, I remember I'd try and find wh wherever I could hang and one of the places I could hang was like on the uh, on, on this like metal bar that they used as like washing line that was outside but that was like freezing cold because it was outside it was like negative 10 but that was the only place so like uh, that's where I'd have to do some of like my workouts but I, I realized like throughout that way like yeah I did progress but that wasn't really the the way because I was just putting everything on me and making the practice just just the core key key fit feature to the absence of everything else and just like almost putting the self-pressure on me like too much and then that was almost some of the beginnings of the reasons why I was like oh I want to come back to Australia to connect with people to learn from people as well because now I've done this thing where <laughs> I try and figure it out just by myself in the mountains and have all this time but it didn't give me like the sense of joy that I was seeking. Yeah. It makes me think of uh, when I talked to you, uh, no, 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 no. I didn't, this, he didn't bring this up in conversation, but I got to take an online fighting monkey class and Yosef Rusek was, you know, I think he was referencing the I Ching, but I don't want to like quote that because I haven't read it, but I think that's what he was talking about. But he was talking about kind of asking the ground for help right? That like, we need to be like humble. And you can see almost like when someone isn't because they hold their shoulders really high and they're like, I'm going to carry all this myself and I'm going to move my arms myself. Right. 
but like you can almost see like the humble attitude because the shoulders relax and you're like, I can ask the ground to help. The ground can help move my arm, right? And it, but it takes like humility to do that. Um, but, you know, it's all, you know, you, you also sometimes have to have the, the one experience to like recognize the other one, you know? Like I said, it's like kind of a theme here is the, the this and not the this or. And, yeah. uh, you know, they go together. Um, but yeah, I think that that's a, a really unique kind of a way of experiencing that like isolation experience <laughs> on, a, yeah. on a track <laughs> like that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so, sometimes you just have to make, I wouldn't say it in, it's a mistake or anything either, you know, that was just like. No, it's not ex- a mistake. I mean, that's like yeah. it's part of the thing. You know? Exactly. I think some people are like, oh, I have to do it this way. This was the right. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's all the way. It's all mm-hmm. the, and where, whatever anyone does is like totally perfect. You know what I mean? It's all part of like the growing tree. Um, Cause I think, yeah, it's a, it, it's people are quick to jump on the ore train. Mm. Right. And I think this is, uh, well, what was it important about that was that I actually did that. You know, now, now I have that experience now and I learned something from it. So I was like, that's better than I think sometimes just wondering about it or thinking like, oh, what if, what if, what if, what if, and sometimes like I've been thinking about this a lot, which is like, oh, like my, my daughter the other day, like we were hiking through the mountains and we found this um, dandelion. Um, and she like picks it up and she's like, oh, tampopo, tampopo, which is dandelion in, in Japanese. And she is like, oh, like you got to like make a wish. What's your wish? I asked her what her wish was, which was like, I think she'd been watching too many Disney movies. She wants like the tallest castle now. <laughs> and I was like, what are you going to do with tall, tallest castle? I don't know. <laughs> but it was, it was good because like I was just like standing there looking at this dandelion. It's like, oh, what do I wish for? And you know, it came to me, it's like, oh, like, I'd like to be like at, at peace, I'm at peace with what I'm doing. And sometimes like, yeah, when you, I think this is one of the, some of those, the, the pitfalls of having like the ability to zoom out and think of like a broad generalist, like movement practice is like, you know, there's a lot of shiny things and you want to do everything and you want to do that, do that. You know, I see like, I see this over there and I'm like, Oh, what's that about? Yeah. I want to do some of that parkour stuff. Or I see like, you know, Yosef post something of the fighting monkey and I'm like, Oh yeah. Now I want to like do some of the coordination stuff or, you know, like Ido might post something and he's doing like another QDR thing. And you're like, that looks amazing. Like I want to do, do that stuff, but you can't do everything as well. And then, so you, you have these questions like, Oh, what if, what if, what if maybe like, if I just had more time to do all this stuff and I practice like 20 hours a day, maybe I'd be able to like do everything and I get that quicker as well. And it can create this sense of like almost unease or non peace with yourself where you're just like, I'm not happy with like my, my practice and what I'm doing at the moment. But then on the other, other side, I think it's just, as we said, like you have these experiences, you make intentional choices with how you want to spend your time and you be happy with that and you learn from that. And then if you realize that, okay, like maybe this isn't what I should be doing or this isn't the, the way. And again, I don't think that's a logical, rational decision. I think that's an intuitive sense that develops and that you have to 
have to not develop it. You just have to quieten down and be attuned to, and then really ask yourself, uh, like with how I'm spending my time and it, the activities that I'm doing, is this actually what, what I want to be doing basically? And if that answer is no, then yeah, you just like change it up, see what happens. Right. And like be welcome to change. Yeah, exactly. That, and that can be hard as well because yeah, sometimes your life circumstances have to change then to uh, accommodate that. Mm-hmm. Man, I have to say, I am so happy that we got to connect like this. I feel I, I'm bummed that we're so far away because I feel like uh, you know, <laughs> we could hang on a regular basis and, uh, and it would be a, a, a really good time. It definitely would be, I think. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's a shame as well that New York is so far away and then the time zones as well <laughs> match so awkwardly. I always yeah. have like, yeah, with trying to connect with uh, American guests as well. Yeah. Very difficult. But I, I really appreciate it. And I really am like, um, I don't know, I'm excited about what you're doing. And, and I don't know, the way you, you, you want to share what you're doing. I, I, yeah, I dig it, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, you're on the same, some sort of similar path. And I think what I look forward to and what I look up to what you're doing is taking it beyond just like this virtual zoom world that we've created with the podcast but then you've been traveling around sharing this thing in person with workshops yeah and then actually making these relationships in the physical as well I think that's that's super exciting for me like that's what like I've been waiting for all these borders to open up and when they did have glimpses of opening up over the last um, couple of years that's why I took the chance to do a trip up to Canberra and then also the trip up to Wollongong where Harry Williams held a, a workshop. And again, like when you go to these things, they're just like amazing. You know, you go and, and you're supercharged and everyone is there to have like a really good time and it's not going to be the same doing it on zoom or anything. So I'm yeah, looking forward to the chance where you can just like spend these real in-person time with people doing things that you love learning new things, creating new things. Yeah. Well, as soon as, as soon as there's an opportunity, I'm headed your direction for sure. All the more reason, all the more reason now. (laughs) Well, yeah, I think movement is becoming like more of a thing, hopefully within each of the Australian cities as well. So yeah, let's get you over Australian tour. I'm in. If, uh, if people want to connect with you, how, how is the best? And then also like, um, you know, any info on, on your podcast and how to find it as well. Yeah. So you can find uh, my podcast just on Spotify, iTunes. You just search the passive hang. Um, you can go to the passive hang.com. I've got a website there. You can connect with me via that website, or you can jump on Instagram and just search my name. That's at Fayon P at P H A O N P. And then you can just shoot me a direct message and that's nice and easy. I think a lot of people have that. Um, but yeah, with the podcast, got a lot more episodes and guests, which are from within this movement sphere as well. Um, some crossover with guests that you've had as, as well, Kyle, but with some other um, 
I think we approach it in different flavors as well. Maybe ask a few different questions so and have different guests as, as well. So I'm looking to, when I connect with more people in person here in Australia as well, feature a bit more of the the Australian scene and like people that I actually know, know in person um, because, uh, yeah, I do think there's an interesting thing happening here in Australia. Still early days, but it is starting to hopefully pick up some steam. So that's what I want to feature a bit more yeah, in these uh, upcoming podcasts. Awesome, man. Well, like I said, I'm so excited to uh, someday get out there. But in the meantime, we'll keep the conversation going from afar and maybe we schedule like uh, doesn't have to be recorded. We hop on a call at uh, whatever, 4 p.m. my time, 7 a.m. your time again, just to catch up. Yeah, definitely, Kyle. I'm up for it. Just uh, shoot me a message at any time. And yeah, I really appreciate your invite to jump on to your podcast. Maybe we'll have to do a reciprocal. You can come onto the passive hang and continue the conversation that way as well. It would be an honor, but no pressure. Um, yeah. All right, man. Have a great day. Enjoy, uh, enjoy the future. Thanks, Kyle. From the all future right. and back to you. Hope you have a great day too. <laughs> All right, man. I'll talk to you later. Thanks. See ya.